It could be January 2039. Who knows? Because we don't specifically know whether it's January and if it is which January. You know, I, th- I think our, the fans of our podcast will know that uh, things in Butterscotch land are coming soon for a very long time, typically. Which, as we just discussed, uh, life is fleeting. Yep. You know, everything is soon. Death comes to us all, yep. you know? In geographical so, time, it'll be here in an instant, you know? Don't worry about it. Ge- in geological, ge- probably. <laughs> geological, yeah. In geographical time, it'll be somewhere. Yeah. Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 341 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm it's really stuffy right now. I'm Sam, and it's Saturday. Yeah. yeah. But only for Sam, this is though. Because <laughs> I live in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is December 9th, 2020. Is it? Or did we? It's the 11th. 11th. <laughs> Told you. December. Oh, yeah. We, we we had a scheduling scenario with this mm-hmm. episode, so we're a bit off. Uh, today's December 11th, 2021. And before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity in this show. I uh, would also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We've got uh, two two supporters, two donations, one from Bam182, mm-hmm. who continues the saga mm. by leaving the message the. Oh, this is really just so you now we have out. the is that what it is? You, you all, all are the you all are the. Is that right? So I assume the next one's gonna be just the worst. Yep. Just <laughs> just <laughs> Just the worst. See, folks, this could go any way. We could tune this in could next go week. any direction at this point. <laughs> yep. Could be like could be dogs, bees, yeah. he could bees. Say, mm-hmm. What's now, the whole if he said bees knees if he, thing? You know, if he whole, said like, bees next, we know then I would think, be. okay, because if he just stopped there, I I don't know what I would take away from that. I would yeah. think he's in distress. I would think And we need to go think, find the person if they couldn't finish yeah, that's an obvious. You know? He might have been interrupted by bees. And yeah. he's like, I got to get this message bees. out. Yeah, yeah. A podcast donation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A quick note, though. If you're being attacked by bees, leave. Yeah, yep. Or uh, definitely don't depend on a time-lagged podcast question answer system to no. get you out of your sort of bee situation. Yeah, no, we cannot save you. It's sort of. Hey, guys. Be safe. Have you know? Yeah. Bee safety is very important. Uh, we also got a donation from David Hayes, who said, Gentlemen, please accept some refreshment for bringing my ears from a game named Absolute Units into existential terror and majesty of the human existence. <laughs> <laughs> it's why I sing your praises. Keep it up. Uh, so I think it's referenced to last episode mm-hmm. where we talked about making a game that was supposed to be at a one-to-one scale of the universe. Or not one-to-one scale, but just to no. scale. Yep. Uh, and, just, and just that the universe, even just our area of the universe is so big that com- our computers can't, e- can't even do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that, bring, that does bring a lot of existential introspection, yeah, if doesn't you, it? If you find yourself having feelings, uh, just just shove them down. You know, just, just, just suppress just those feelings. Put a lid on it, on that existential dread, and just push it down. That's all. Yeah. Because the thing is, you you only have you're only alive for just a blink of an instant, you know. <laughs> yeah, so. And if you spend that time thinking about that fact, it goes it's going to go by even faster. Yep. You yeah. know, you got to really draw that out. Mm-hmm. Draw draw it out. Uh, we just like to thank our recurring supporters uh, who donate monthly and uh, help keep our mic juices 
juicy. Uh, now, as far as as far as uh, today's episode, we're going to go into mostly questions. We do have one little bit of a bit of news, just yeah, studio yeah, yeah. news. Uh, what is it, Sam? What happened? Well, some people, astute people on iOS devices, may have noticed that Crashlands is coming to Apple Arcade. Crashlands, the OG. OG uh, Crashlands. Called Crashlands Plus. And we're excited to see how it goes in that program. And uh, I think you know, we were all really excited when Apple started introducing the Greats program, where they're bringing well, just a bunch of you know the greatest games. Like Crashlands, just you know, just go throw out there. It's pretty good. It's, it's oh, okay. it's so good. Uh, and mainly we're interested in seeing just kind of how it performs in that particular kind of a subscription environment. So uh, definitely if you got uh, Arcade, Apple Arcade, on your iOS device, definitely check it out. Put a it's an upcoming soon thing right now, so you can like flag it for later, like a little a little pre get get situation. Um, so go ahead and sign up for it. Yeah, otherwise, hopefully you can continue playing it on that service. Uh, or yes. if you know the people who haven't played it before, it's it'll be over there. Soon. Are, are we able to say anything about this version at this point? Not really. I mean, it's just it's the same version as uh, as the other. That's the one you play on other platforms. The only difference is uh, due to some saving architecture stuff, your arcade save is just its own kind of thing. So you won't be able to move it's your- It's on its own. It's on its own. Yeah, you won't be able to move your no, data. Right no data portability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apple Arcade is exclusively uses uh, but like the iCloud and Game Center and basically all the, all the internal Apple stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you should have data portability between your own iOS account, like yes. your own iOS devices. For, for Crashlands uh, Plus. Yes. Yes. So yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, but so, so, so those of you who already own it, then like presumably you just keep playing it the way you have been because mm-hmm. there's not like different content or anything like that. Um, but for anybody new, or if you're looking to get back get into it. it, yeah, go check it out on there. Yep. Uh, we don't actually know when it's going to be coming out fully, so uh, no. Keep an eye. Yeah. Since we'll, actually, we'll since, since we don't know that we can't actually you know break any NDAs or anything because we don't know. Mm-hmm. So my best guess is January sometime. <laughs> Yeah. One would hope, you know. Yeah, but I have no idea, so I haven't broken any <laughs> rules by saying that. Because I also mm-hmm. could be very wrong about it, you know what I mean? It, so. it could be January 2039. Who knows? Because yeah. we don't specifically know whether it's January and if it is, which January. You know, I, th- I think our, the fans of our podcast will know that uh, things in Butterscotch land are coming soon for a very long time, typically. Which, as we just discussed, uh, life is fleeting. You yep. know, everything is soon. Death comes to us all, yep. you know? In geographical so, time, it'll be here in an instant, you know? Don't worry about it. Ge- or geological, ge- probably. <laughs> geological, yeah. In geographical time, it'll be somewhere. It'll be, yeah. yeah. It'll be rolling out <laughs> uh, across the planet. Across, across the, the landscape. Yeah. Are time zones uh, geographical time? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's so. That works. Yeah, 100%. Which, you know, back when we... I didn't really appreciate just how wild you don't you don't get to appreciate just how wild time zones are until you try to do something like do a simultaneous launch of a game mm-hmm. in different regions, mm-hmm. right? Like I remember when Levelhead launched in Japan at midnight, but their midnight, mm-hmm. you know, which then we were looking at, we were trying to figure out what that meant. It was suddenly how nine, to, it was nine a.m. in the morning or something. It was just the morning. At our time, and, and then the, the day before launch day, yeah, and then it was out, and we were like, "Did we? Was that? Is yeah, that good? We, yeah, we, we had our launch day scheduled for uh, for that that Thursday that we launched, um, and then the day before that, we started see we just started seeing we started seeing players players appear in our, in our, in our yeah. links, you know, 
And we're like, what? Who, who, we're like, who pulled the trigger early? Like, what? You know, what is happening here? Then, we, yeah, uh, we started bl- blaming, not blaming each other, but just asking questions. Like, yeah, did we double check everything? Did we miss mm-hmm. a checkbox somewhere? Yeah. And you still, know? mostly assumed it was like, you know, something about something confusing the backend, right? And it, and it turned out it was, which is that a lot of these backends for these platforms don't actually tell you what time zone they're using. Mm-hmm. Like, if they yeah. do, often that's actually tucked away somewhere in like some other documentation. Yep. And you would assume when you're in there that if you set if you specify a time that it'll it'll use it your local time. At your browser, then, yes. You could, yeah, because it, it knows right. It knows what your local time. It could is. so it, it could won't. Just, <laughs> and well, and some of them could. do. Some of them don't. Yeah, yeah they'll so, tell you though. Yeah, but then other ones like don't even let you choose a time anyway because they have like a system where things roll out kind of in a batch at a certain time because they have an update process, you know. Yep. And uh, keeping track of all that is. And then adding the time zone component, because then like with Nintendo, since Nintendo is like five companies, you know, one per mm-hmm. region or whatever, each one has a separate process of launching. And yeah, you're actually launching through launching. each of them separately, which is yep. weird. So it's three. Yeah, there's something that there's a convention that I wish that we would get onto, which is just to have just everybody in the world for all uh, online business stuff just use GMT. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. which is just just say like if if everybody did it because it, it's even like if we're trying to schedule a meeting with somebody in, in London, right? Oh, yeah. They're six hours ahead, and then the conversation always comes back to. My time or your time? My yep. time or your time? Yep. My time, right? Yeah, I just it's got like, in the habit just, of just actually always including the time zone now when I set a time. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. But even then, like, yeah, because you'll always talk about things in your own time zone, and they'll talk about things in their time zone. Oh, it's and easy. then you're always ha- you're yeah. always having to well, and then, to and then convert you, it back and forth. And then you add into it the whole daylight savings time thing, right? Because not not everybody does it, and like so, I always think yeah. of just I just call a CST for like Central Same here. time, right? Um, but it's actually CDT some of the time. Yeah, right? but it's CDT half of the time. <laughs> but I don't know which half. I don't know which fucking half is CDT. Right? <laughs> yeah. so, are we currently saving daylight or are we currently spending it? Spending which one are we doing right now? Yeah. I can't uh, remember. So, that, so I now have changed to just saying just like central time, right? But the problem is that like Arizona is on central time, but they don't use daylight savings. And so central time by itself doesn't tell you actually enough. Well, there's a there's a central – the central time is a, is a vertical slice that goes all the way down – through the entire North and South America. Central is right? a very yeah. good one if you're if you're like uniting with the sort of continents. Central's a very a very good one. It is. I mean, to be fair, it is you know central. It's in the middle. It's in for, the middle I mean, of something. Yeah, in the middle of, of where, <laughs> where we are. It's in the middle of where we are, which is you know the center of the universe. Because as far as we're concerned, that's the center of the universe because of ego. <laughs> yeah, but it is it is, the, it is true that having one com- like one common that we all fall back on is the common point of conversion because even since now Sam's on on East Time, ET, and then we often need to talk to people on you know in San Francisco areas, and so mm-hmm. they're on West Coast time. And uh, I've recently been gaming with a friend who's on Mountain Time, right? Plus mm-hmm. a person who's which is sweet. tougher too because it's it's uh, higher Pacific, up, you know. Like, yeah, there's less oxygen you, for the time. You got to think about the yep. the latitude, longitude, and the altitude. Well, and also now, time is time moving goes slower up there at a different rate. You know? Up there, yeah, That's true. Which complicates things even further. Which, as far as I understand, is moving faster because it's kind of like if whipping you whip around, a, right? a rope around on a string, right? Like as you get further from the center, yep. it's whipping around faster. Well, so, like the mm-hmm. Earth is spinning faster at the top of mountains. Yeah, but you're Definitely. also further away from the center point of mass of Earth. You know, so you have less gravitational pull. Yeah. So, so ultimately, which one of those know, wins? Uh, yeah, I think ultimately it's going to amount to maybe like six and a half minutes. Of a difference per over the course of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
Uh, you know, you don't normally have to worry about it, but every now and then we have to do a leap jillionth of a second oh, uh, yeah. to kind of get back on track. Just on the mountains, though. Man, I love just those, the mountains, though. though. feels like just such yeah. a free amount of time. You're just like, this wasn't even planned. You know, I could do whatever yeah, I want with that. this free jillionth yeah. of a second. It's yeah, great. which is also, you know, that's also why mountain men are known to have beards because they just have more time to grow them. That's you know, true. That's just, that's just a fact. That's just yeah. science. It's true. Time just, moves uh, differently up there. Science. So anyways, Crash Ends Plus, it's coming out sometime. <laughs> uh, let's get on to some questions. Okay. okay. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. The highest upvoted question comes from Alsastre. Alsastre. Uh, you talk a lot about productivity tools, Trello, ClickUp, etc. Have you ever thought about launching your own? Have you considered selling SaaS products? I don't know what that's. That software, software as a service. service. It's SaaS. Oh, God. SaaS. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's okay. also BaaS, which is backend as a service. And there's FA. Like anything you could think of, there's some version of it that has an ass at the end of it. Well, it's a double A one. <laughs> well, I mean, know. there's usually an ass at the end. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things have an ass at the end of them. Yep. That's yep. that's biology. Yeah, I will. So this is something that I that I definitely think of frequently, and we've thought of with like Rumpus. Um, with this sort of general question of taking something that we make for our, our own purposes and seeing if we can generalize it enough to sell it as a service. Um, the the main reason that I find it compelling is that it smooths out the random chaos and risk associated with using, with selling an entertainment product because mm-hmm. you make it over a long period of time, throw it into the void, and depending on how everything lined up in the universe at the moment you do that, you either do... You get paid well, or you we poorly, you know? <laughs> so like, uh, and there's no way to guess what that's going to look like. Um, and, and if it goes, yeah, there's, there's poorly, an allure to selling something that has a functional use yeah, and that you could justify a recurring subscription model for, yeah, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I find it compelling, but it comes with a bunch of major caveats, like who are your customers you, going to be? Yeah. How do you market it? How do you market it? But let's like let's even say you can sell it. Let's say like whatever the thing is, like it's obviously good. People yeah. want it. We got a product. What do you mean? Like it, we'll marketing works out great because like yeah, let's let's assume that for the for the moment because like that's the first thought is like we got to pull that off. But but then even once you do, like now it's happening in your company, right? Because now that means we are managing a service. Where mm-hmm. so this is the same thing with like live service games, right? Where if you're making a game that you just launch and then kind of get to go do the next thing, and and of course with maintenance and stuff, right? But then as a company, you get to take the same team that you have and with some light work of maintenance, otherwise move that team forward onto the next project. With a service product, like a game as a service. That's, that a is your service, company. That's your company now. Pretty much, yeah. And and now you have to do a lot of customer management because unlike in games where you're getting paid, like, yeah, sure, like a $60 game, like we're not selling $60 games. But a $60 game like, is a lot in like one moment, but in terms of like how much that one person is paying you as a company compared to like a software as a service product where they're paying a subscription and like every month they're paying 10 bucks per person in their organization or whatever, right? Uh, the, the amount goes up a lot, but actually more importantly, the people who are buying that stuff from you depend on it. It's, yeah, it's right? a different thing, right? Because like you can depend yeah. on a game product to be like, oh, I wanted to have fun with this tonight. Like what the fuck? Yeah, Why is if a game yeah. doesn't work- yeah, the- yeah, the layers of reliability and security that you need to have, I would I would say are higher yeah, if entire higher. companies or businesses are totally yeah. dependent on your data being secure and accessible and have 100% uptime. Yeah. And, and so this is that. where you get like uh, uh, SLAs, right, which are 
service license agreements where when you go like when so when we buy let's say like uh, a Google subscription for Google Workspace, right? That comes with a with a, a an agreement that that basically they are making for us to do it, right? Which is that there's going to be X amount of uptime. If something goes badly, they'll do this. Like this is the, these are the guarantees of like what kinds of level of security they'll perform. Blah blah blah, right? Um, basically, it's it's you saying we're holding ourselves accountable for the fact that we are holding on to the stuff you depend on. Uh, Which, to be fair, like this is this is why we left ClickUp. Yeah, yeah. this is exactly because of because of dependability issues, yep. and it's one of those things where you can make a really cool product, um, but if people's livelihoods are on the line, yep. you know their it's ability so to stressful. get work done. Then yeah. suddenly, like it has to work. It's got to work. It has to work all the time, yep. super, super. And well, when know? it doesn't work, because like if a, if a game doesn't work, you do hear from angry players, definitely, right? But think about the fraction of your total pool of players you do hear from. Mm-hmm. It's tiny because the vast majority of players for the vast majority of games, if they can't play for some reason, they might complain on Twitter and then they'll go play a different game, right? Mm-hmm. They aren't going to go submit an emergency support request and be like, oh, like everything's broken and like I'm like I'm going to be. My business is burning money while I'm waiting for this to yeah. come back online. You don't you're not gonna you're not gonna hear from a, a player's lawyer because their game started hitching when they changed to a monitor that yep. has a different refresh rate or something. Yeah, right? and, and like, you know, it doesn't have nearly the support uh, capacity needs that that it does to run software as a service, right? And so the so the, the two main things that are preventing me from them being, being basically saying like, okay, one of these things that we've been doing, we should just take and turn into a full-on product is that we would need to uh, we would need to actually staff up to do that yeah. and have sort of a- It's a, it's a separate division. It's a like separate, it's a separate company, company, basically. Yeah. It would have to behave differently and it would need more people and it would, and it would need to scale as yes. we get more, uh, more success, right? And be, kind of become its own thing. So, and, and there are some cool things that could- happen because of that, because that's the kind of thing too, that another company might buy from us, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's hard for us to sell ourselves as a studio because the people in the studio are what make it possible for us to do what we do. We've got some cool software things that we made too, definitely, but they're pretty niche mm-hmm. and targeted to our, the services we use as well as the products we make. And so still the main thing somebody would want from us is the people, which is a harder thing to sell because people can leave, Right. <laughs> Uh, yep. versus software as a service, what people tend to be buying there. So this is where, like, if you were trying to get bought by a, you know, by a Google or whatever, um, like, that's how you do it, right? They want your tech. Yeah. And so that, that's one of those things where, like, in the long term, you know, maybe someday we'll pivot or actually do an experiment and do it Let's as a separate it. thing. But that would, that would likely require hiring people to do it. Yeah. I think it's easy for us to also feel like we're playing – the tech game on hard mode because because of the the spiky revenue and the high risks involved in in game development, coupled with the fact that it's it is a super saturated market, uh, it's kind of hard to get noticed, and we have to solve problems in a huge number of layers in different disciplines, right? So we need we need tech. We need marketing, we need business, we need management and also storytelling and cinematics and programming and art and you know like the 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 stack of things that we have to do is just never ending and uh even inside of our games, you know, we have to develop tools to make cutscenes. We have to develop tools to what we're working on right now is we're working on a tool for for developing and managing game data um in a way that it's basically something like a game maker or Unity, but that is in our game 
that the game uses to develop itself. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> like, but but in order to do that, we're also developing an entire uh, cohesive interface system that is inspired by you know things like HTML, right? Um, where we can ease, more easily describe interfaces. So it's, it's almost like building these layers of tech, each one of which you could pick out and be like, we're going to take this concept and turn it into a product, into a service, right? And we've got dozens and dozens of those. And it's really easy, I think, to look at something like Trello, right? And be like, all they're doing <laughs> is a Kanban board. That's that's the whole thing. And like, we, you know, we've had to develop such a diversity of things across all of our games in order to make things work that it seems romantically... Yeah, uh, I think just like relaxing to yeah, just be yeah. like, oh yeah, we just make one thing. We just you're make trading. <laughs> you're trading your problem, which is like on, on the game space. It's uh, it's the risk and all of the extra work that goes into basically you know the creative aspect of just kind of making stuff uh, with the hope that it hits and like how complicated it is just to bring it to life. Certain visions in that regard. Um, what you're trading for is basically that for actually the increased uh, stability uptime. Like the almost the increased like reliability. I think it's a higher level of responsibility. responsibility that yeah. you have. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a it's a coupling problem, right? Because like with a game, there's a there's there's a transience all across the board for a non live services game, because you work on the thing and then you sell it, and then transiently, it if if it is successful, then like transiently, there's a huge number of people who now like you now owe something to, and they're going to be very mad if you fuck it up and and all that mm-hmm. and stuff, right? But that goes away. And then as it goes away, so do your responsibilities, right? Uh, relatively speaking. Versus software as a service, your responsibilities never go away, right? Mm-hmm. Or a game is a live service, either way. Because even if your population dwindles, that population is still paying you. They're still expecting things to run properly. They're still doing all of this stuff. And and most importantly, they're doing it in a way where something is significant is on the line. And so yeah. there's actually one of those things that last, I think it was last week, there were a bunch of outages one at GitHub and another at AWS. And um, and when the GitHub one was happening, hmm. I think it was like two weekends ago or something, uh, I was really amused because I because I, I saw that like it was like went to the went to the page and it was just down. And I was like, okay, hmm. they're probably having an outage, you know. So I went and checked Twitter to see if I could figure out what's going on. And the comments were hilarious because a lot of it was just like people being like, oh no, like like you know, and just kind of being yep. bummed about what was happening. And some people like kind of yelling at GitHub like how dependent they are, like how much yep. like they're losing every like minute. This, this thing as if there. as if the people at GitHub don't, don't know, know yep. that, yes. and they're like they're like, oh, geez, yep. our services went down. That's probably fine. I don't think anybody will yep. care or notice. Yep. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that was the atmosphere that was over it. at but GitHub. The, but the most amusing <laughs> one to me was then this like particular subset of people who then took this as an opportunity to advocate for uh, for people to roll their own remote Git servers because they're like, it's not even that hard. You can just like, like, so you, like you don't need this. Like, cause like, cause there's always this like push against having some other company be the one that's yeah, holding on to your data. Right. And, and the thing is like, yeah, like GitHub going down is a big deal, but why is it a big deal? Because literally everybody uses it because they can trust it the vast majority of the time to do what they mm-hmm. need it to do. Right. The solution is not almost ever to go roll your own version of that thing, right? Because, yeah, it'll do exactly what you want if you spend three years developing it to do exactly what you want. Uh, and, yeah, it'll have 100% uptime if you know how to make a service have 100%, have 100% uptime. Of, yeah, right? yep. 
so, but then the whole time you're doing that, what the fuck were you doing originally that you needed that service for? You're not doing <laughs> yeah. that now. Yeah. Whatever you're that not thing doing is, that anymore. Right? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so there, there is that sort of core idea there, which is, which is, it's always that build or buy question, right? When there's something you need, there's a tool you need to do the work. What do you use? Right. Cause there's nothing out there ever that works exactly the way you want it to. And the more skills you develop in, especially in tech, since that's where all these tools are we're talking about, uh, you know, either because you work for a tech company or you're making games or whatever, the more you start to see like, oh, I, I really could make that thing, right? I could make my own version of that that does what I want. And that's true, actually. You could. But that doesn't mean that it's better. It just means it's doing what you want. <laughs> yeah, well, but it is right? better so that, you, that doesn't mean right? It doesn't mean that it's marketable to a broader Yes, audience. and that's true. It just means yeah. that it solves your problem. But what it's now. But in you creating that to solve your problem, you're not solving your problem because your problem is just sitting there now yep. while you make this thing, right? The original problem, so, yeah. Yeah, so the better question is always like, can we can we take something off the shelf and then like kind of interchange something about what we're doing or find a middleware that we can make that's a lot cheaper to make than having to do the whole thing? Yeah, well, that, yeah which to be to be fair is is what we this the journey that we've been on. So for the past, I guess, month now, past four weeks, uh, you know, we did our quarterly review and we were like, we need to come up with ways to get more content into our games. At the moment, Crashlands too, but you know, just games general. in general that we work on. Um, what's out there? And yep. so for a week, there was an two, exploration of I think two all the different, yep. yeah, of all the different tools out there that we could potentially use to create uh, sort of custom game assets and and story arcs and narratives. Like back in the original Crashlands days, you know, we made the, the Crashlands Creator and. And Levelhead, we we of course the game itself was an editor, so that part was soft. But uh, but also we made a a sort of background behind the scenes uh, campaign editor and cutscene editor inside the game, which we used to then develop that that side of the game. But those were totally bespoke tools that only worked for Levelhead, right? And so we were kind of thinking like, is there a way for us to to make it easy to make tools like that, and also to make more content? So we looked through tons of different pieces of software, lots of different middleware. And the thing that always came around was exactly what Adam was talking about, which is that they all had a specific angle where they're like, mm-hmm. hey, if your problem is is writing incredibly detailed branching narratives, that's what our product does. Yeah. And then another product is like, if your issue is you know, managing art assets and customizing those, that's what our thing does, right? And Everything had a very specific workflow and was very opinionated about what it was good at and what it was bad at. Um, and ultimately, nothing really solved our our problems, right? Maybe like a each thing would maybe solve like 10% of our problems. But if we wanted to cobble together 10 different pieces of middleware, then we would have to develop our own tech mm-hmm. to pull them together anyways. Yeah, the development um, costs would have come up. Basically the same if we try to cobble all that shit together. Except right. now we're with also an extra all these licenses for these other yeah. pieces yeah. of software too, and and extra fragility of you know even what we're seeing right now is that you know we we switched to using Spine, um, which to do our animations, which is awesome, right? Except it also means that now because we use Game Maker and Spine, then we are dependent on both of those companies to maintain mm-hmm. updates to the software in a way that's compatible with each other, mm-hmm. right? And so, of course, if we ended up taking 10 different tools and trying to use all of them to develop our game content, then any one of those uh, could change their formats or update in a way that doesn't work with the stuff that we're doing. And that could happen at any time, right? 
or maybe all of them do it over the course of a few months. And all we're doing for those months is just refactoring all of our stuff. Uh, so there is something to be said for for building your own stuff. But yeah. it does have to be the you know the right the right call yeah. depending on the, on what your needs are. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, when it's when you can't work around what's there and still have a good uh, development experience. Um, yep. And, and, and that yeah. happens like that. I mean, that happens often, right? Like even making something like rumpus, um, there still is not a solution out there where you can just like go pay some company to then like manage your users and give you access to an e- like an email newsletter just to talk to those users and like have them opt in or, or have a solved login flow for every, for every platform that integrates platform. with all platforms so that everything can connect to everything. Uh, and that like, th- there's nothing out there like that. Right. And so there was no way, and there still isn't, um, there, there are people who have like, pieces. who have created those pieces. Yeah. Components of it uh, that like get a bunch of it, but it's never all of it. It's never enough. Well, but we've also found that like, that actually the problems that we solved with Rumpus create problems yeah. for game developers because platforms in general don't like data portability that moves between platforms. Mm-hmm. They don't want you, they don't want you to say to your players, Hey, are you tired of playing on platform A? Come on over to platform B, right? Platform <laughs> A is like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't yeah. even, don't talk about platform B. And of course, the reality is, is that that doesn't actually do anything for the platform. Because it's not, because yeah. the, the question, because we're not, we're not like, nobody was playing the game already. And then like, oh, I mean, I've already bought this here, right? But because it's over there, like now I'm going to go over it. there. And well, it, it actually, it actually does in the sense that like, we did find, for example, that a, a, a very significant proportion of people who played Crashlands on Steam also played it on yeah on exactly mobile, but it's also right? because there was because the point is it's not instead right that's not if the option that's is on both then yeah sure like people will choose the one that they want the most but if there's a significant difference like most people don't own a playstation and an xbox most people don't own an android and an iphone right so most people most of the time are not actually choosing yeah. between right it's just if it's, it's on just, the thing is, they have is the game there yeah. okay i'm gonna buy it yeah. yeah yeah so so it's weird because if we for example tried to and we did talk about this uh, in the earlier days of Rumpus. We were like, "Man, if we we should we should turn this into a service. We should turn this into a service." Yep. Um, but then, when it came to the realities of launching Levelhead in a cross-platform way, and all of the conversations that we had, um, and trying to solve all of the the business problems with the fact that like platforms in general don't really like this that that we that we offer this mm-hmm. right. And so, if we were to try to sell this service. To other developers who'd be like, hey, here's a thing you can add in your games that your players will like, but will make it very hard for you to do business. <laughs> like, well, it's, it's the like, reality like, though is that we solved like all those problems though, right? Because that's actually a lot of what we'd be selling as a service is we know what has to happen to make this work on all the platforms, the ones that allow it, because some of them just don't at all, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we know but the platforms don't, them they don't view it as a, as a, as a perk. Right, yeah, um, uh, but it, it wasn't as clean of a of a value add as I think. It has positives. It has yeah, negatives. It's required it, for it, everything. Does spinning well, off it, a company it, basically? Yeah, yeah and, it, and it complicates some aspects of development as well, right? Um, yep. Because if you got cross platform content, then stuff has to be cross platform compatible all the time. Um, so yeah, and just to be clear, I, I, I you know I'm not really throwing the platforms under the bus here in the sense that like I totally understand their their take on this, which is like they want to get as many players as possible onto their platform and keep them there because that's how they stay in business. Um, 
So I, you know, I totally get it. But I think it's still fair uh, to throw them under the bus, though. Like it could, it could make sense from a business standpoint, <laughs> right? And also, although, yeah. and that's to me, that's the part that I actually find the most annoying is that I don't think it actually does anything for them from a business standpoint. Um, because uh, yeah, I, I right. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I doubt that it does. But I understand why someone would take that angle, like why they would think. I would understand why somebody would think that it does. Yeah, well, and it does, it sense. does for a certain segment, right? Because if you're talking about a console. Whatever, a device selling title, like a Metal Gear God of War. God of War. Uh, these kinds of titles, right? For those, yeah, absolutely. Those like those literally sell platforms, right? If you're talking the vast majority of games though, even even most of the AAA games are not console selling titles. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones that if it's on the console that a person has, it'd be like, fuck yeah, I get to play this game. And if it's not, they're like, I guess I'll God play five. this at a friend's house someday, right? <laughs> I don't get to play this game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so cross platforms, cross platform simultaneous launches end up making those conversations uh, with platforms very different. Mm-hmm. And that was, and that was what this was intended to solve was basically to make it easy for us to launch stuff cross platform. But it turns out that you know exclusivity is an important business lever. That if you take that off the table, then you, you know you got a whole new set of problems. So you know, you know win some, you lose some. Uh, all right, next question comes from Fraser, who says, in my opinion, food is amazing. Agreed. I mean, some of it. So that's a, that's a hot take. Yep. But takes entirely too much effort, which I, I agree. That's, that's uh, true. How do you feel about whole meal replacement drinks like Soylent? They seem to be popular in tech circles. So are NFTs. Uh, yep. <laughs> so things being popular <laughs> in tech circles is a is an important sign that you should- You should maybe double take, double check- Take a second look. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, my take on them is is that while it is the case that you know food takes time to prepare and choosing you know learning how to have a good diet and all that stuff takes a good amount of time and, and habit building and stuff like that. Uh, you know there is a tremendous payoff for doing it effectively, both on the overall health side and just on the general like life experience side of you know having a good even like simple stuff. You know we. My wife made a uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup the other day, which felt just like just the perfect, like warm, cozy, kind of wintry, cold meal, you know? There's things like that that you, like, if I had to just drink some Soylent, uh, like, it's not it's not as enriching from, like, an experiential standpoint, while it may be giving you, you know, the nutrients. Yeah, well, I think so. there's a time and place for everything, right? Absolutely. Like, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm really in the zone, and I want, and I'm, Solving a programming problem. Yep, give me a protein shake. And, or, or rather, if I have it, more probably, if I have it solved, and I just need to get go it through it, right? Yep. Then I'm on fire. If you guys ever played Game Dev Story, where the little developers burst into flames because they like they're on a hot yep. streak, like it literally happens. I don't, Be careful. I don't want to go cook for an hour, mm-hmm. right? I want to just I want to just eat something, right? I, I'm not sure how I feel about drinking something as a meal. I I find that every time I've done that, even if it's like a big protein shake or something, I am still quite hungry. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> kind of, yeah, it doesn't. Or like, like, I, like I feel f- foolish, it, like in the moment, like oh, I can't drink any more of this, but I don't feel like I've had a meal, and I think within like a thirty minutes, I'm well. I mean, hungry you're, again. The process. I mean, eating is a is a mechanical and chemical process, right? Because the mechanical part is the chewing of things and all of that. And then like the, your esophagus uh, pulsating and these little, you know, little, what do we call it? Just a word oh, for yeah. that. 
there is yeah, undu- like undulation. Yeah, it's like moving yeah, something. squeezing stuff down, right? And your, stom- knee, and your right? stomach is your stomach is like a little it's like a little muscle, right? That just surrounds it. It's just like squeezing the shit out of the stuff that's in there. Mm-hmm. And then it and it's like chewing it up and throwing acid in to like break it all down to small enough bits so that I can pass it to the next part of the system and then it goes into your intestine. Your intestines are squeezing it down, right? As it's pulling nutrients out once you hit the small intestine, right? But that first part of that process though is very mechanical. And it's all it's all uh, expecting. Like it's the way that it works is under the expectation that most of your nutrition comes from physical chewing, hard chewing and things that have to be chewed a lot and like processed mechanically a lot because they're the only thing like out in the world that is a drink that has nutrients in it is basically blood. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. or milk, milk. Yeah. or milk, right? But like there's not a lot out there that has has that stuff in it. Um, and so, so that's what you're, when you're hungry, like part of the hunger process includes the fact that your stomach is like, there's nothing in here for me to do any work with. Right. I got and nothing to squeeze. Full, I got nothing to squeeze. Like when you get full, like part of what's triggering that is the fact that your stomach is like, oh, there's a bunch of stuff in here and I'm squeezing it now. Right. I'm squeezing that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. if you just drink a liquid, so <laughs> I, think, I think anyone who has had to be on a liquid diet for any reason will tell you. That yeah. only only eating. So I had to after I had my gut surgery. So you're kind of hungry. Yeah. You're kind of hungry well, all the just, time. You're not just yeah. You're kind of hungry all the time, but it also you just it's not pleasant. It doesn't feel like you're yeah. eating at all. And like it works. It works well as like a that includes even soups and anything. Right? If it's if it's most if it's just liquid, you and you decided to do it for two weeks after our surgery, and uh, I lost 15 pounds <laughs> during that. Because the thing is, like you were nutritionally. You probably had much of the calories, nutrition stuff. It was definitely had significantly before. less. Um, because also, because at the time, also, it's just swallowing hurt, so I just didn't yeah. want to you know, do it. You anything. just didn't do it as much. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, so I was eating less, definitely, but it was also the case that I didn't even want to because the thing that I could eat was liquids, right? And eating those, like, nothing about it was a good experience once I got past day one. Day one, I was like, okay, like, it just it hurt a lot because of the, the pain of swallowing. But I, got, I was tasting things and it tasted good, you know, and the whole thing. But then the moment it wasn't actually satisfying, which was that very same meal, right, just by tasting good, then my body was like, what's the point of this? Like, I don't, what, I don't want what, this, right? What are we doing here? What are we even here? doing here? And, uh, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's not great. Um, that said, yeah. though, uh, being able to just, like, drink a thing because you need some nutrition, uh, and especially if because it's all about what your alternatives are, right? And what what uh, what it is that you need and your brain needs and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, because if the alternative to you drinking a thing that is somewhat nutritionally complete, though, I would be very cautious about believing any of the claims that these companies are making. Um, but if it's between that and then just like not eating or yeah. eating something definitely bad, right? Yeah, uh, sl- slam that Soylent. Yeah, slam yep. it. Go for it. Yep. Now, my, my approach is is that I found some protein bars that I, I quite like, and I found that they were always out of stock. And gro- Grocery stores do this thing where they assume that if you're buying a protein bar, you want one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they do this. You'll see that you'll see a box, <laughs> yeah. a box that they come in, and they have cut the box open, and then they've like tagged each right, bar uniquely. Yeah, so then, so you got to like, Feel, so you feel like a weirdo because you, you just dunk your hand in there and just you grab just all the, the protein bars. The and time. then you like go to the next box. And, grab, and then, and then of course, the person at the counter is like, one, two, three. I gotta, they got to count all the individual protein bars you have because you can't buy them by the box for some reason. So 
Uh, so I found some protein bars I really liked, and then I just found their website, and I set up a subscription. Mm-hmm. So I so I just ha- – I figured out like – because I generally eat like one or two of them a day just as like a snack in between meals or whatever. So like one mid-morning, one mid-afternoon. It's great. Uh, they're like 200 calories, 20 grams of protein, very little sugar. Awesome, right? Uh, and so now I just like – like once every five or six weeks, I just get a big box of protein, mm-hmm. like like a hundred something protein bars. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really like really it's you great. Ask yourself what it's for, because I think my problem with all of those is that they're not. So if you try to ask me like, hey, like, I, hey, you know, I don't like preparing food. Like if that's the main problem, like preparing food is kind of hard or or annoying, whatever else. Um, and you're talking about like big meals, then like that's a definite like challenging space to operate in, right? Because it's like, there's not you really- need quite a bit. There's a lot of stuff to do, right? Uh, but there's ways yeah, to- Yeah, you'll need- like batch meals Yeah, there you'll stuff. get pre-prepared foods or- Yeah, that kind right. of thing. Right. But then there's like, there's another quite a layer on that, which depending on what you're approaching stuff like this soil or there's one called Huel, which also just like looks- <laughs> Why do these all have just the, just the worst just the name? Worst name. So, like Soylent, you know, is people. So I don't know why they. I don't know. Why, I don't know yeah. why they went with that. But fuel, I think, is human fuel, which is basically the same concept, right? Yeah, yeah. gross. I mean, the word <laughs> sounds gross. Fuel. Yeah. Anyway, so, but I think that you have to ask what you're trying to get out of it, because like, if you actually just need something to be able to fuel up with, uh, you know, every so often, fuel up radically, please fuel up with. Uh, then there's also there's other stuff you can eat that doesn't require any preparation, like you know apples, uh, like vegetables. There's like there's a carrots and hummus. Yeah, there's oh, a yeah. there's a big category of stuff that's like really good snacking food that also doesn't require you to really do basically anything. You just get it out of the fridge. So I go through hummus. Oh yeah, I mean too. I gallon. <laughs> just mountains of red pepper hummus. It's the best thing on the planet. But oh I yeah. Think yeah, you have to ask yourself what's the point because I think I'm personally increasingly. Um, suspicious, I guess, of products that are exclusively designed, it feels like, not necessarily to free you up in a way that like also meets the one of the other needs associated with food, like that it's an enjoyable experience, for example, um, but rather to just kind of get you back to work. You know what I mean? Like that's what he, those feel like where they're like- Well, yeah, that's the flip side of of- the yeah, other yeah. scenario, when I was like, "Oh yeah, sometimes if I'm on, if I have, if I have solved the problem and I'm on a hot streak, right?" But sometimes I haven't solved the problem, and mm. stepping away and like Making cooking food. something, even even for 15 minutes, is enough of a mental perspective shift that I will have solved the problem 100%. now, right? And then I'm pumped to get back to work or, or you know whatever. Um, which isn't to say that like the benefit of like Sam was saying, the benefit of food is that it gets you back to work. Yeah. Gets yeah, you back on the clock like, on the grind. It's a very like creepy, uh, like it feels dystopian, right? Which is like, oh yeah, like this, this gives you the, the nutrition you need in the quickest, also like not, in, in not enjoyable, like a human palate sort this will, of level. Yeah. But this like, will put you back onto the assembly line as a productive yeah, I mean, like, honestly, worker I citizen. Be, I feel like I'm getting, I've gotten more, uh, like sensitized to like just kind of some of the slightly creepy shit that I let because America loves work and you know, we're all it's cultural race. It's like, we just love work. Work is amazing. You just like do work till you die, work, 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 work. Um, so you're starting to notice those things every so often. And, and with those ones in particular, I'm like, if the framing was like, look, this shit is like so delicious that you would have a hard time as soon as you taste it, not like just, just ripping through all the packages. Cause it's so good. And also it's great for you. And it's like all these flavors and it's like, Killer, it's like a, just a killer meal replacement situation. Maybe, you know, I feel different about it, of course. But like, at least from my understanding of it, it doesn't taste good, but like particularly good. 
So I'm like, okay, are you just fueling up as if you were a robot to... Yeah, you got to put up with this thing so you can get back on on the grind. Yeah, I don't know, man. That just freaks me out. Like, just <laughs> why you take a... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Take a yeah, nutrient think, yeah, suppository, think, like for fuck's sake. Like, don't even put any food in your mouth if you, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Freaks me out. Yeah, yeah. And like, and of course, like everybody has... Yeah, because yeah, the, the, that dystopian sort of capitalist part of it is on the one hand... Uh, creepy and something we always have to be careful and like investigate when we're when we're thinking about our whys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, you know, sometimes like that's your situation. I mean, often that's your situation. Oh yeah, you we're trapped in a capitalist it. hellscape, right? So like, mm-hmm. it makes sense to use that as a sometimes as a tool. you gotta heal up. You know, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> you might have to do that. And, and I think the key to all of this is that the thing to remember is our bodies, in terms of their ability to like convert stuff into our bodies, you know, like over. Over time to turn it into more body mm-hmm. are fucking incredible at it. And part of the reason that you know that they're so incredible at it is that we know still very little about like what actually happens if you eat stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. that seems like it would be bad if you mostly ate that thing. Because like the reality seems to be that it's mostly about as long as you have those things that your body can't make itself, which are a handful of vitamins, right? And and then have like even a not very diversified diet, still actually people live off of totally fine, right? Mm-hmm. For long periods of time. Um, that doesn't mean it's optimal, right? Um, but like our bodies are actually remarkably good at that. So so part of what that means is that we don't need to be constantly like judging ourselves or others about the question of like, what are we putting into ourselves, right? Uh, and and it's good to try to put better stuff in there, right? Mm-hmm. But we can't always. And sometimes we got to prioritize our stuff and sometimes we just don't like it. You know, like I, I still to this day don't like the mechanical process of eating. Like I just don't mm-hmm. like it. And after my surgery, like it's just kind of like swallowing is a little weird, you know, and so like stuff kind of tends to stick. And so I just don't really like it. To, yeah. Just I mean, to a, meal, a meal replacement sort of thing in that context feels like exactly a good yeah. winner for easing some of these problems. Yeah. The yeah. less you have to go through that. The process, the better, right? If, you, if there's aspects of it that are unpleasant for you based on whatever about your mm-hmm. situation, yeah. right? Then like, yeah. yeah, you do you. Yeah, you so know? you can kind of do it. And I think, that's <laughs> a, I think that's kind of the main takeaway for this is that like there's nothing inherently like good or bad about about Huel, right? Well, actually, I think, I think as Sam noted, there are some things that are suspicious and, and seemingly yeah, I, I, I think it's like safe, bad about it. I think it's safe to like say the that if you're a, if you're a like, if you're, if you're like enjoying food, if you're able to eat, if you got another stuff going on in that regard, like it's, it's, you can take, it's okay to take some time to prepare some mm-hmm. food, you know? Um, well, and if it's are, not, yeah, then it's a good alternative. alternative yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's benefits to that time. Some, sometimes yes. because, yeah, because being away from screens and whatever else, and just like, you know, it's almost meditative, mm-hmm. right? It's just, yeah. just, just, Take some time, be in the moment, and just cook some good food for yourself. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a totally fine are, thing to take time for. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those things are sold as like those are expensive items, aren't they? So they do cost quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. Do. So it's already if you're privileged enough to afford that stuff, you're probably also privileged enough to be able to take the time to, or uh, just do the prepared do other stuff. Like get very prepared like, meals. Yeah. Now, something that something that actually became super uh, like a a big part of my like food routine is once I switched to vegetarian, I started exploring the world of veggie burgers, mm-hmm. and there's like a there's thousand a of them, mm-hmm. and they and they aren't meat, so you can freeze them and they they last for for quite a while in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And they also have very little cleanup because they're just, just, just plants. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and like quite, quite a few, and 
you know, if you're looking for something that just tastes exactly like a burger, um, you're mostly going to be disappointed, although there are some alternatives. But but once you embrace the fact that you're eating veggie burgers, it's like go yeah. get like I get these like spicy burgers. black bean burgers. Those, those are good. Those are they're good. good. They're great. It takes like five minutes. Uh, right? You just throw it on the during pan. Yeah, you like yeah. You cook it on cook it on medium like four minutes one side, three minutes the other side. Boom, it, you're done. Now. I wonder if you and, can just throw like, one of those in a toaster. Can you do that? Can you throw it in a toaster? Probably. <laughs> Well, it probably wouldn't. It probably, it'd probably fall mess. apart a little yeah, bit, okay. so it'd probably make a bit of a mess because, like, <laughs> they, they, it does still have some like oils and stuff right, in there, right, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, like that's been because there's another aspect of the cooking, which is like all of the like chopping and prep and cleanup, which kind of like adds a lot of tasks to both ends of yeah. the process plus the time. Um, but if you've got if you've got uh, an option where you can still do some cooking, like just throw a veggie burger on there, right? You can still cook something. It still takes like up to ten minutes. But the cleanup is very minimal, and then you've also got some food left over at the end. Like that's also a great option, you yeah. know. And yeah. I used to do yeah. sandwiches, sandwiches all the time when I was mainly doing my own, all my own food stuff, and just throwing together sandwiches in like ten minutes. Awesome, you know. You have all those fresh ingredients in your fridge for you, and, and I mean, yeah, you're eating like deli processed ham, but you know, again, you gotta do what you gotta do. So whatever. Mm-hmm. But not every meal yeah. can help. Five stars. Yeah. The main thing is, you know, be be flexible um, to you know. And don't don't be hard on yourself or working within your means. You know, mm-hmm. like it's we can all, we can all do the best we can with with the resources we have access to. Um, but it is it is true that if you if you have the time to like watch some YouTube videos about how to like cut your stuff faster, right, or like that kind of stuff, right? There there are ways you can take some of these things that you may want to do and currently can't either because you don't know how or because you don't have enough time. And there could be ways to like mm-hmm. to learn some stuff that will get you there. Uh, and the, Many of those tools are out there. So the main thing is, yeah. you know, introspect, explore, introspect, and explore the space, you know, just mm-hmm. like with, I guess, like with all things. Yeah. And if you like uh, drinking Huel because you just love the work that you're doing and you don't want to stop doing it, and it doesn't actually help you, you, you yeah. slam it, you know, do whatever, do whatever. But if you're like Huel, everyone should be drinking Huel. No, yeah, shut up. Weird. No, they that's should that's not. Stamp. Stop yeah. just be, quit being weird about it. It's fine. <laughs> People should do what's, what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Costa, for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net. We have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.